0: get started here. Um, I realize that we're the program before lunch so we will get you out of here at like two minutes till noon so you can jump into line for the food trailers. You know, first things first. Uh, thanks for coming to this. I'm Ross Ramsey. I'm the executive editor and co-founder of the Texas Tribune. A couple of program notes. The hashtag if you are tweeting is TribuneFest. Please turn off, the, turn off your cell phones or at least set them to stun so we don't all have to listen to it. That applies to you as well. Uh, uh, we have a really great panel here on budget transparency. There's a great uh, John Oliver line. I don't know if you've been watching his show. There's a, he was talking about something else, but it applies to so much of what we do. He said, if you ever want to do something really evil, wrap it in something boring. So here we are. That's the beginning of budget transparency. Uh, are you I'll, calling this boring? I didn't. I didn't. I, t- strictly about the subject matter and not about the people talking. I'll start down at the end. Uh, David Simpson, a Republican from Longview was first elected to represent House District 7 in 2010. He serves on county affairs and the land and resource management committees. He is a former mayor of Avenger, Texas, and an appointed member of the and was an appointed member of the ArcTex Regional Review Committee. He also serves as president and CEO of Avenger Timber. Donna Howard, Democrat of Austin, my state rep, was first elected in 2006 to serve in District 48. As a member of the House Appropriations Committee, she sits on the Article 3 subcommittee, that's education funding, for those of you who speak English, and the subcommittee on budget transparency and reform. Before her election to the legislature, she worked as a critical care nurse. Yes. Glenn Hager of Katy has represented District 18 in the Texas Senate since 2007. Before that, he was a member of the Texas House. He's the 2014 Republican nominee for Texas Comptroller. In the Senate, he serves as chairman of the Nominations Committee and the Subcommittee on Fiscal Matters, previously chaired the Sunset Advisory Commission, which eliminates or tries to eliminate inefficiency yes. in government agencies, and um, Evita Luna-Castro joined the Center for Public Policy Priorities, which is an independent policy research organization in 1998. She spent 23 years in Texas budget battles, including serving as an analyst for the Texas controller where we work together, in researching policy issues related to state revenue and spending. And Jim Pitts is the short timer on the panel, Um, Republican from Waxahachie, first elected in 1992 to serve in Texas's House District 10. He is the longtime chairman of the House Appropriations Committee, responsible for more paper usage in the Capitol than I think any other single representative. Previously was president of the Waxahachie Independent School District Board and spent 36 years Practicing law. Let's uh, start with you, Mr. Chairman, and, and work our way down the line and just let everybody go interactive here. Is the Texas budget transparent? And, and I guess the easiest way to start this is to say, is there anything in state finance, spending, or taxes that ought not to be public?
1: Oh, I think everything should be public. You know, I, I've been on the Appropriations Committee a long time. I was first uh, appointed by Pete Laney, and I served under the next uh, other. Well, Pete Laney and Tom Craddock, and, and now Joe Strauss. And uh, yes, the the process, the budget is very transparent. If you wanted to go in and look for for, there's an index. You look for an agency, and you say, what does? How much does this agency get? You go to that page, and you can see what that agency, how much money they get. You see some directives that the legislature has voted on for, the, for the, uh, that agency, like TRS uh, and ERS, the, the contribution that the members make uh, in the in the riders, and then you have performance reviews. So, in in a budget person's uh, mind, it is very transparent.
0: Is this a little bit? I'll just move down the line. Is this a little bit like you go to the mechanic and they say, and you ask them about your car? And they pop up in the hood, and they say, there it is. Um, it's all there. You can look at it. But there's not, it's not there in an understandable way. Is it, it, are we transparent but not understandable?
2: I think it's, it, you're asking exactly the right question. Uh, Finally. People can... <laughs> well, I think he, it's taken Char- me all my life. Chairman huh? Pitts also responded, I think, in a way that the information is there. But whether, you, and I have asked this question, like the so-called average Texan that's concerned, or maybe people who don't even know why they need to know. Even more a about, smart but, Texan. I mean, it's, right. there are
0: people in the legislature who've been there for years who say, you know, I, I've looked at that thing. I don't know what the heck. Right, it says.
2: knowing knowing what you're looking at, or knowing why or how. And there there is information that I agree about how something is paid for, but maybe not enough to help you understand. Is there a better way to fund that, or is there something uh, the uh, the choices that have been made leading up to the budget? I think is what you don't get from seeing the final document. So there's a lot more, there's the process, I I think I also agree is open. Texas gets awards for um, uh, having performance measures. That's another thing we haven't, uh, he he didn't mention. Knowing what's the outcome of public spending. Our our Child Protective Services caseloads getting better or worse, for example. But I I asked my colleagues yesterday um, preparing for this and it seemed like the longer people had worked with the budget, The more they were likely to agree that compared to other states, the Texas budget is transparent, but that doesn't mean the average person that is not a budget expert could really make head or tail out of it.
0: Half of this, uh, maybe even more than half of this, is the money that goes into the budget Um, Mm -hmm. revenue estimates, all this kind of stuff. Um, And a lot of that is not really sort of, it's like a revelation. It's like the December revelation of the certification, you know, or the estimate and then the revelation later about the certification, is that open enough?
3: Yeah, I think if we go to whether the state budget, the revenue estimation side, the biennial revenue estimate, or the certified revenue estimate, or even just monthly. uh, The comptroller's office today puts online every single month what are the incomes that are coming in, whether it's sales tax, motor fuels tax, franchise tax, of course that's yearly, not monthly. Or the different streams, and how does that compare to last year? But for the average person, as, as was mentioned, I would think the average Texan is actually the smart average Texan. You uh, don't have to. Well, you're running them, for office, of course. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, thanks for reminding everybody. That I appreciate that. But the fact is, is that I think in 21st century, one of the things I've been talking a lot about is, is that in the 21st century, there's all these different modes of communication that we all use. I mean, I look around the room, and I don't hardly see any person that doesn't have a laptop, a computer, or, or a uh, cell phone that they're looking at or reading at and you're you're doing many things at one time and so my point being is that i would agree there's a lot of information out there the question is can you see it ascertain it and understand it and i think a lot of times even with the legislators members of the legislature coming in you try to do a kind of a, a budget or a revenue side 101 and that's what you need to do when you go out to the public go out to the press you really need to sum this up from from a basic you don't build a house overnight it's one foundation of one brick at a time. Right. And so therefore, I think we need to do a better job. And when I talk about innovation in the 21st century, is how do you put that out? I think you mentioned here at the beginning, you know, hashtag here, TribFest, and how do we put things out, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, uh, not to give them plugs, but other different modes of communication. And in five years, that's going to change again. So it's constantly evolving and changing, and we need to be able to put that information in real quick bits that people can understand from a broad perspective of a fifty thousand foot level, and then drill down.
0: The drill down is there. The problem is you don't understand what it means. Well, the drill down is sometimes there, and it's and it's you know there's a time value to this. We, That's correct. We, uh, we talked right. a bit on the phone about uh, Ms. Howard about the idea that you may be able to find out what's in the budget, but you might not be able to find it out at the time that you need it.
4: <laughs> yes, and I kind of want to. Tag onto what sure. both of them were talking about. In terms of, uh, first off, in terms of the uh, information that we're given, uh, indeed, the comptroller does put this information on in the website. Uh, but yes, I, I mean, I would suggest with a billion two year budget, 12th largest economy in the world, no business would only look, you know, once a year or however often we do, it's even that often, at what our situation is, what our revenue is, what our expenditures are, give us kind of the lay of the land. Uh, The numbers we're using right now for our surplus, GR and and, uh, Economic Stabilization Fund surplus, is from December of 2013. And there's been a lot of things that have happened between then and now, but we're not going to get that information until January when we come back to the session. So I think we could do a better job of more frequently getting that information out maybe quarterly, whatever, but get it out so that we're not having to go monthly to the site and have to dig through things. And then in terms of the digging through things uh, and how difficult that is, even for those of us that are are working it, uh, I can give an example from the 2011 budget cuts. Um, You know, there was a lot of rhetoric out there about uh, we had or we had not cut public education. And the fact is that both of those statements were facts, but neither one of them took in the whole picture. Right, right. And to go out there and be able to talk rationally, reasonably, and with accurate information to the public so they really understand what's going on, I had to call the great staff, which I see some of here. I had to call staff that, 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 that help us, the staff that do all the work with mm-hmm. the budget the Legislative Budget Board in particular, uh, to find out, okay, is this accurate, what I'm saying? Is this accurate? And I had to go back and forth several times with the questions because they're so good about looking at things in a very black and white way that I have to figure out how to ask the question in such a way that I get the answer that I need to get that's accurate. So, in fact, what happened was the state had put more GR into public education because we had been using federal dollars that we needed to replace one-time federal dollars. So yes, indeed, the state spent more. But also, if you looked at all the funds for public education, on average, we reduced funding by $500 per people. But that was information I had to go and dig up and go back and forth with, and yet we're expecting the public to really understand what's going on based on... How we spin
0: it well that's that 's kind of the question if, how transparent is a budget if a member of the Appropriations committee has to go and list the staff to understand what 's in the budget how would you make this how would you make this more you know this information attainable
5: well i'd like to focus on uh, you know, we, the, the appropriations process is is good and, and, and open. Um, takes a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of effort, but then it really comes down to just five people in the House, five people in the Senate, um, resolving the difference, or at least that's what they're supposed to do according to the rules, but they're supposed to limit their discussions to the disagreement. But we don't do that. They don't even meet. We do have good rules with respect to meeting, but they've been interpreted, Uh, that they don't have to meet. Just the chairman or whoever can go one by one. And though if they meet, the press has to be there. Uh, But if they do it on -on one-on-one, it just all gets resolved in private. Um, And and then they pass uh, an outside-the-bounds resolution to put in things and take out things that really weren't in disagreement. So this part of the process is not transparent at all and it comes before the members in the last 48 hours. It's supposed to be available, the fiscal note, uh, right uh, within time for the public to see it. My staff worked really hard for days to find it. We couldn't find it. I brought some points of order on the matter. Uh, They were all overruled. We have some good rules, but we just suspend them, and we do what we want, and uh, I think... we need to follow the rules. One of the problems I have is the consolidation bill. I call it the Wizard of Oz bill. And, you know, we tell people well, we're going to tax you for $30 million a year for Volunteer Fire, par- fire Department Assistance Fund.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: We take it. In the previous two bienniums, less than half of that actually give it to Volunteer Fire Departments. But we spend the rest for other purposes. Because with a magical bill, in which you have to look behind the curtain on, the consolidation bill, you, you don't figure this out. It took I knew enough to vote against it in my first session, but I, I just only began to understand it as a soft. What made you vote against it? It smells bad, <laughs> it looked bad, and we, we tell people we're going to tax them for this, and we take that money and we do it for something else. Yeah, we keep track of it, but we're basically being dishonest with the budget. And we passed the Glenda Dawson bill where we had a registry for human organ donors. It was dedicated funds for that purpose. The next day we passed the Wizard of Oz bill. And we undedicate that money. And we use it for whatever else we want. And that's why we consolidate in our our working with the dedicated funds and the general revenue, and if that's not dedicated, they all come together. They're just one big pie. And so we really aren't using a lot of the funds for the purpose for which they are dedicated. And that's wrong. We made a, some steps in the right direction. pretty, pretty substantial need, step, actually, right? Well, only about 10%, 5%. We have about $4 billion of these dedicated funds that we use for other purposes. For, and we need to make, we can't just identify the problem and take credit for solving it. We've got to make real substantial efforts and stop lying about taxes and how we use them. Can I say
4: something more about that? Uh, Yeah. Um, I actually agree with a lot of what my colleague here said. Um, But, you know, it's it's the process we're stuck with right now because it's been accumulating over a period of time. But as you mentioned, Ross, we're addressing it now.
0: It takes a while to to back out, right? It does
4: when you're talking about over $5 billion. And I think right now we used like $4.7 billion in order to certify the budget. Uh, $4.7 billion dollars that we didn't spend, mm-hmm. we didn't appropriate. And I, I just want to give you. In the current you, budget. Yes. And I want to give you a, a, a real quick example of how, with his Wizard of Oz uh, <coughs> metaphor here, Who's the guy the behind the curtain, you know, is he, is pulling all the strings here. Are that's the what the Some people know about him. <laughs> <laughs> I've been accused not of being him. Oz. But <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it can be abused, if you right. will. And in my opinion, that's what happened here with the uh money that was used to send the national guard down to the border with so-called 38 million dollars that hadn't been spent so therefore it could be used but indeed that 38 million was part of the 4.7 billion that was used to certify the budget so from my vantage point that's money that was was <coughs> fees that were used to set aside to to spend something but we never appropriated it to the DPS and so When it got tapped into, it had already been spent, really, Mm -hmm. in the sense that it was used to certify the budget. So, you know, there's policy decisions we can make about that, but that's how it can be played around with, with you know, the guy behind the curtain.
1: Okay, Wizard, Uh, would you uh, like to speak? Yes, I would. (laughs) (laughs) Donna Dix calls me Oz. um, (laughs) But, you know, I want to argue a a little bit about or disagree with what you say about the conference committee. The the appropriations conference committee is probably the most transparent conference committee that's out there. Seventy-five percent of all the conference committees or even more, you take a sheet around and sign it, and there's never a meeting. The appropriations conference committee, everything is online that we do. Every decision we make is in public, and the LBB is has uh, they do the the side by side of what's different with the House, what's different with the Senate. And they they put online the decision that we make. Uh, But every every single conference committee uh, is is in public. Every decision is made is in public. Now, we are very careful in the appropriations conference committee that we do not have a quorum. Uh, And so John Otto and I may have a discussion with some LBB members on... What is proper funding for some higher ed institutions? Now, every time that you're negotiating a bill with either your co-author or somebody that's against your bill, you do that in your office or you do that in another location. But some of that happens. But every decision that is made is made in public. Why do you try not to have a quorum? Well, because that would be, it. you'd have to post, and you know, sometimes, you know, like but we're it, on the floor. But
0: if it were in a perfect world, if this was perfectly transparent, I would see every conversation you're having. I would
1: watch everything you're doing. Well, in a or I'd get to if, follow if, you if, around in the hall <laughs> all the time. Right? I think I do some of that. I thought you did. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I, I think that there, you know, you're trying to negotiate with maybe your other side. When I this session with Tommy Williams. And and we we can bring other members in. Uh, We can bring other members in from the the appropriations committee. I think that's what the rule. Right. And and many times we do that. Uh, Somebody that uh, with with Donna, she's an expert on everything, and uh, probably the (laughs) smartest member. So you're so you're Oz. (laughs) So smartest member of the uh, Texas House Appropriations Committee. But uh, you'll tweet that out. I'm (laughs) I'm I'm in her fan club, but I I I just think that sometimes, if you and I want to talk about what we're going to do today or something, we don't have to get everybody on the panel uh, uh, to to talk about it. But there's sometimes you just need to negotiate uh, just you and I Uh, now. But all those negotiations, when when we do have the uh, working group. We do have we do that in public. It's usually a crowded room. Uh, those are all posted, and it's uh, that is when a Senate counterpart to a House member on the conference committee get together. Uh, they can have other people on the uh, in, in there with them, uh, and uh, they they discuss in a very open manner. Interesting. And,
5: and the House rules say that we're not to. Just- discuss anything outside the the bounds. In in other words, what's not in disagreement. And I think by meeting one-on-one, we basically go around that, and then we grant forgiveness when we pass the the outside-the-bounds resolution at the last minute. My concern is those discussions should, should be made before the public, before even the other members of the House. There is an appropriate place to have the committee, but we the outside the bounds resolution gives you the authority to go outside the bounds but it gives us an opportunity to say yes or no and then discuss it but what happens it's discussed it's determined we receive a hundred seventy five page single space bill right before we pass it no one reads it and it's not transparent at all So ten members and i doubt even all ten members really have read that and determined it so we have some good things in place, but we are not living according to our standards. Is I, there?
2: Well, I would like to add one piece to that, which is there's a difference between making the decisions public and then, as we've talked about, the discussions leading up to that. But, but
5: the rules say discussions. We shall not even discuss, and it says the leader of each House, the House and the Senate, are to strictly enforce that rule. But it's discuss
0: as a committee and not as... I mean, you should but have it, room for private conversation. But it here, says,
5: right. it, if you read there, it uses the plural pronoun there. So it's not referring to... There's only one committee. Right. It's referring to the individual members that they shall not discuss that except if it be in public and if you've got permission to go outside the bounds first. And I think we need to do that. It's a good rule. But I think we're good Pharisees. We look... You know, good on the outside, but inside, you know, there's corruption.
1: Oh, and I don't think you-,
4: I-
3: you... You haven't traveled the state with me. Um, not everybody believes that the legislature is doing a good job. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, it, 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 half jokingly but half seriously that I think the public is always very skeptical of what's going on either during a legislative session or without. And I think that's kind of the point of the whole issue of being as transparent as you can. Right. And I think your, your actual question... Uh, a while back was how do we do a better job and I think that better job is first you have to start out from the bigger higher level as in in part of that on, on the websites is you look at a, a variation of a pie chart of how all the dollars are spent, all funds, general revenue, that in itself is so confusing. It is the first time I remember I'm it, pulling it, my hair out going. It what, looks like what's I, the mean, difference it, I mean, I mean, when you, you first two. come
0: to it, I mean, for a normal human or but know, a pie chart even a smart starts out human. Human. good, but it, it looks like a game of three card
3: monty when you start. It, it's very, <laughs> very confusing. Right. So, you know, what I'm getting at is to, to answer your question a while back was you have to make sure that you are explaining the best of your ability from one step to a second step. You can't go all of a sudden here. Where's that big document you got, no, exactly. Chairman? To I mean, the... <laughs> it, it's huge. You that's not you the bit, but If that's anybody just... has insomnia, take this book, <laughs> and
0: you will go to sleep. Well, but this this is room is those those the, the kind it. of people that actually read this thing. So.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the, the point I was actually trying to true, the right,
0: right, Yeah, no, the,
2: true. the point I was trying to get to though is that even when decisions are announced in public, they can be done in a way that nobody in that room has that's any right. idea what you're talking about, except right. for the people who are behind the I mean who have the notebooks and the the issue dockets and all of that. And I I mean I'm sure people here who've been in House Appropriations or Senate Finance I've sat there and scribbled furiously as they're saying Article 2, go with Senate, Article 3, go with House, pending Item 3, Senate plus 5, minus 2 FTEs. All of that was announced in public, but you have absolutely no idea what was actually decided on. But that
1: decision is then put online by the LBB, and said so this is the decision yes, that the conference committee... I night. agree
2: that knowing the decision um, after it's been made is an important part of transparency. But there's an earlier stage, which was referred to um, by Representative Howard, when the 2011 cuts to schools were made, a really important piece of the information that I think wasn't available until Memorial Day was how are these cuts to schools going to affect school districts, like at that level, when you know... For that level? Yeah. Right. If, you're, if you're a House member or a Senate member and you really need, your maybe your superintendents don't even know yet, so they can't quite tell you, but you need LBB information or whoever is making everybody aware. So having to vote on something or maybe feeling like I, at this stage the budget has to be passed, the, the whole issue of it, you get some of the most critical information at a stage where it's too late to do anything about it, or you can try and make more time or come up with a contingency, the issue of, Revenue may improve, but not in time for it to really change this budget, the the proposal that you had to, if we have more money, how can we use the rainy day fund to postpone or, or avert some of those cuts? So I think the timing of this really matters. But then there's the issue of is it transparent if you can see when it's too late to change it, what's going on, versus if you're, like my organization, trying to improve the choices that we're making for Texas families. So there's there's that tension as well.
0: well there's, also the, there's also the thing I want to jump forward a little bit. There's the, there's the problem of knowing what was already decided. Even if you can't follow it in real time, even if you couldn't keep up with the decision in real time, even if I had a real life and I was at the soccer game with my kids and I didn't have time to watch this decision-making process, After once it's over, can I go back in and look at the decisions that they have made so that when I'm voting, I can go back and say, I don't like the way you voted on this, or I do like the way you voted on that. Is this Transparent in the sense that an outsider can come to it, look at it, and understand it. And, and that goes all the way down to, I'll give you a specific example, not to pick on anybody, but just to get to this. If a governor was indicted and had a lawyer that was talking to a grand jury and was paying them out of state funds, isn't there some place I should be able to go, the state paid this much to this lawyer on this date for this purpose? I mean, should it be transparent all the way down to that? The well, idea of budget transparency is the whole idea of okay, a dollar leaves my pocket. What happens to the dollar?
1: Well, as, as far as that example that you gave, uh, that wasn't anticipated. So you're not going to find that in the budget. Well, you're going to uh, find somewhere a, in the state's d- finances. You're going to you're uh, find a line in the governor's bill pattern right. that'll, that'll have uh, an amount of dollars that he could use for something like that. But, uh, you know, it, it will not go all the way down and say he paid Joe Blow $150 an hour, $1,000 an hour, whatever it is, uh, and this is the total amount, because that's not there yet. Right. You know, that, when we did the budget at the end of the last session, it didn't have a line in their governor's defense fund. Right. Yeah, uh, but but but, but, well, but,
3: so, I mean, so but ultimately actually... ultimately, Ross, I mean your question is the expenditure side. So we move from the budgeting well, side I, to the I, this expenditure is all side. state but finances. I, I, I understand, understand the whole but thing. my right. point my point is is flashback several sessions ago, the whole concept of having the open window to government at the controller's office right. back in two thousand and seven when we had some House legislation that I carried in the Senate, the concept was you're the one who is the treasurer. You're dealing with the state finances. You're dealing with the, the revenue estimates, and you're dealing with the tax side. So since you're dealing with the finance side, you are the appropriate place to put this online. And, right. and that's a, a lot of things. If, if I do a search for anybody's payroll, at least for a state, I usually the, the top one that comes up is the TRIB website, which really is a link to the comptroller's <laughs> website. Right. And so my point is just I felt like back when I was working on that legislation that, in, again, in the 21st century, that information should be able to be attained just like that, a snap of the fingers. But the question is for you, which is a very valid question, you're, you're not going to see that instantaneously because maybe the check has not been written. But when it is written, written, is there enough detail on it so you to know a paper trail of who you're paying and what you're paying for? And so, I think that is a very appropriate question
0: that we need to make sure every single line item if, in the expenditure. If a that. taxpayer could do that, if somebody could go in and do that, wouldn't that be, isn't that a door to going backwards and understanding the budget? Going back and finding the line that doesn't say Governor's Defense Fund? <laughs> And saying, you know, okay, so what the hell? And that's, whatever, and that's whatever why, your, and that's why that, whatever your version of what the hell that was is. Put
3: there. Right. So to, people can to go back from Internet check from the to account side of it back to the budget to
0: line item to the legislator who put the line item in. It seems like that would be budget transparency. Are we anywhere close to that? We have a lot of that
3: out there. I mean, that's the reason the open window to government first exists. But I think we can always do better with all the modes of communication. But you can scratch your you way can, back into
0: the appropriations you, process through that check? You,
3: you can find out who that check was to. Now, whether you want to do the work or you can actually understand the bigger picture to follow it back all the way up to the top or to the bottom, I mean, that, that again, it, it, it's the flip side of the discussion that we started with 30 minutes ago, yeah. that it, it's difficult for the average smart Texan or even someone with a lot of knowledge to be able to understand A to B as a new member, you're sitting there pulling your hair out to go, wait, who's on first and who's on second and what's on third? Unfortunately, it's a very complicated budget, but it's the 12th largest economy in the world. That's not an excuse. It's just how big it is.
4: Well, I think part of the issue, too, Ross, is that having a part-time legislature with a very compressed period of time, every other year for five months that we're doing everything, including this budget, which is, of course, the only thing – we're required to do. But to to Jim's point about some of the negotiations that go on, this is the dilemma, I think. Where do you draw the line about things? Because clearly you want to have as much out there as possible. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you have to accomplish something. And so how do you do both in such a way that's responsible?
2: Mm
4: -hmm. Because uh, it it was kind of like people that elect us to represent them. You know, we could ask our constituents to do all of the homework about all the things that we're asked to make decisions about. And a lot of them actually do, probably a lot of these in the room do. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot to ask of voters that they do all the homework on everything. That's why we have a representative body here. They have elected us to do that homework for them and to take the values that we've explained to them that we carry in there that are hopefully representative of them. And then we have to be in positions periodically to negotiate things to get them all to move forward. But again, where do you draw that line? Well, let me and ask I, this.
0: Is it transparent enough for the people representing me to figure it out?
4: And, and that's a good question. And, and, and as I've already said, it's not always easy to dig through it. And right. that's part of the issue. But I'll tell you, when you were asking a while ago about what could we do about it, and one of the first things that comes to mind for me in addition to putting things online is having advocacy groups, you know, like whatever group you're aligned with perhaps, mm-hmm. P or TPPF or, or whatever, who do actually look at the budget. But the problem you get into there, too, is that, you know, I'd like to say, Eva's up here, I'd like to say that I know that when she puts something out there, that she's putting out there in a factual way and not slanting it to make a point. But, you know, we did have that issue that went to the Wall Street Journal last time with the state being made because they looked at at the numbers. The numbers were there. They looked at the numbers and said, hey, you guys uh, increased your budget by 26%. But when you dig down and really look at what they were, the TPPF was looking at, they were, they were using num, uh, some of the money that we had spent to pay our bills from the previous session. They were using the $2 billion from the Rainy Day Fund right. that was going to be going to the Water Infrastructure Fund. In, in essence, when you broke all that out, it was really only a 7.5% increase. So you can have the numbers out there. But it's how you use them.
5: Right. Yes, sir. Yeah, but then the full story then is, is we didn't have the full numbers on the previous budget because we adjusted yeah, right. it by the rest of that balance. Well, you know, <laughs> the, there's a different way you can look at it, legislature to legislature or f- fiscal biennium to fiscal biennium. And so both were actually true. You go, uh, well, you also have
0: this well. problem that a budget like a business plan is a piece of speculative fiction, right? Yeah. <laughs> that you, write it, you write a thing and you say, we think this is how it's going to go. We think this is how much money we're going to have. We think this is where we're going to spend it. And then you have some point in time when you go from budget to actual, and sometimes it's pretty jarring. Sometimes sometimes it's intentionally jarring. Sometimes they leave out a bunch of education money or they leave out a bunch of health and human services money. But that supplemental has become a really big deal.
1: That's right. And, you know, it's hard to have that crystal ball and say how many people are going to – arrive at your hospitals for services that Medicaid is going to have to pay for? Or how many kids are going to uh, be in the classroom when you do a two-year budget like that? And uh, so that's why the supplemental uh, has played such a key role in, in our budgeting process.
0: Let me zip through you guys, and then we'll pop it open for questions. If you could, you get to do this like an exit interview. If you could change this <laughs> process and this thing, what would you do to it? Is there something that you would say,
1: it needs to be more like that, we need to stop doing this? Well, I, uh, you know, of course, I've been involved in the budget a long time. And uh, I, I think that what I would change is members Members need to just ask. Uh, there's 27 members of appropriations. The other uh, members that are not on appropriations, they need to ask. Uh, LBB is, is readily available, our staffs are re- readily available, there's uh, five people. Uh, Staff and Appropriations, they're readily available. We had a freshman member uh, call, and like this was this mysterious thing. How much did we spend on X amount uh, about something? And uh, we said, we'll get back with you. And we called the agency. And um, then we told the member, and he said, well, how would you get that? You know, we can't find that in the budget. We picked up the phone and called. And and these agencies are willing to to discuss things with with members, our our staff, very receptive to talking to members. Uh, so I th- I think what I would change is the, is open. Make sure everybody knows they can ask the questions, uh, and we're we're receptive. Yeah. We had a real good member, uh, freshman member last session that was not a member of Appropriations, Representative Simmons. Representative Simmons cared enough to come to every, every appropriations committee. He cared enough to go to some of the, the conference committees. Uh, so we just need, uh, we, it's real easy to sit back in your chair and say, well, this isn't transparent, when you can help make it transparent. And I think that's what I would, it, it, we're all receptive to, to helping members. How would you change it?
2: I would focus a lot more attention, whether it's legislators that write the budget or the public part of it and or the media, focus more attention on where most of the money is. I mean, you can take pretty much any policy issue and most of the challenge is in a few tiny areas that represent like 80% of what you're looking at. So um, an example, the, the state budget, everybody here has probably heard it has to balance, meaning the controller has to certify that more appropriations aren't being made, than.
0: That's the speculative fiction part, right? Right,
2: right. so everybody understands that part, or most people do. (laughs) But then uh, the general revenue, and then the amount of agencies receiving general revenue, it's like hundreds and hundreds, and funds, and some of those are dedicated, so it gets very complicated, but you can can just not let it be complicated. Instead of having Senate and House working groups, and there's an overview presented at the very beginning of the process, but the markup of the budget is done in ways that people just look at health and human services or higher education or public education. So as soon as you get into those, those groups, you end up knowing just that piece of it. And you may be looking at a piece that's just 1% of general revenue spending. So if you looked just at the Texas Education Agency, the Medicaid agencies, which is primarily the Health and Human Service Commission, and the Department of Criminal Justice, that's just three areas that's two-thirds of general revenue spending. Right. If you add in state employee benefits and pensions, you're up to about 75% of the budget, three-fourths of the budget. So more attention spent, and, and Senator Hager referred to it, the making people understand just the basics, and then you can have a better discussion about the choices you're making. So I think that that would be one thing I would change about it, the, just the actual process through which the budget is marked up. And then along with that, Maybe um, Representative Simpson can talk about uh, upfront information that makes it really clear what what are the basic underpinnings of this budget. An example there is the 2014-2015 appropriations bill assumes that local property taxes to pay for schools Goes up about four or five percent a year. A lot of city budgets they'll adopt it, and right up front you see well, how is this going to affect my property taxes? What's what's going to happen to the rate? So right up front you're saying this is how what we're assuming when we pass this budget. If it doesn't pan out, we're going to have to come back and figure out another plan. But just right up front say uh, the the basic things about it. Right now you have to look in the fiscal size up or the uh, other documents that may be put out by different state agencies, but people don't always understand at the very beginning how is this being written and how can we afford to do tax cuts and what's the effect on local governments, what are we assuming about federal funds. So there's some kind of really key pieces that people could have um, once it's an, once it's adopted and then see, see how it actually works out from there.
0: Okay, Senator?
3: Yeah, I, w- I would say I'd kind of go back first real quick to your question is, should the average legislator be able to understand it? And I would kind of add to that, do they want to understand it? Mm-hmm. Well, Right. And, that, and of course, that's their voters. Their voters make a determination if they want to mem- right. demand that. But I've been in the legislature for a few years, and I wish more members would ask those questions mm-hmm. and to dovetail on, on what Jim said. And it made me also think about other non-budgetary issues to where they were extremely important in my district that I was representing and I wouldn't even hear, not all members are open and say, oh, come to come to the conference committee if, if you're not even on it. Right. And you just have to be demanding that you're going to be there. And when you find up, you show up. And if they have the door closed, don't really care. I'm going to come in anyway because I have a vote. Or the public should be able to come in. And you, so what I'm getting at is, Members need to want to ask the questions Mm -hmm. from day one. Your vote counts just as much as everybody else's. And you have to demand that openness in my opinion, even if someone's shutting you out. And then I think lastly to add on top is just to reinforce again and again with as technology changes and as the way we receive information, we have to make sure whether it's how-to videos. I mean, how many people actually read a manual anymore to fix something? I couldn't even find mine in my house, you I know, mean, telling where my kids have hid it. But I'm going to go onto the Internet. And so, you know, what I'm saying is how do we change with that to where a member can see that? They'll, they'll sit there. And so I think that's the same as the public. How do we change with the times to be able to put the information out there from the top to the bottom or the reverse, as you said, in the expenditure to go back up one end or the other step by step? Okay. Representative Howard.
4: Well, to tag onto that with the video, you know, some of you may have seen um, – One of our colleagues, Representative Colcourse, did a video uh, in regard to Medicaid expansion where she got her chart out and spent 10 minutes going through. Did the the full Ross Perot, didn't she? -hmm. But but I I think there is something to that that we can do a much better job of explaining to members as well as to the public.
3: That's how people listen today.
4: Right, exactly. Let's use the the medium that is actually getting to people right now. And I, and I don't know how we make all these things happen or how we can come to agreement on this, but there's got to be some general agreement about the kinds of questions that anybody would want to ask, no matter what side of the ideological uh, spectrum are, or along the spectrum they might be, that are questions that get us to factual information, and then we can debate right. the, the policy around that. But let's at least start from a place where we're talking about the same stuff and not one person looking at that data and saying it says this and the other group saying it means this when really it maybe means this you know let's get the right information out there Mm -hmm. and and I don't know how exactly do that but I would love to see that
0: representative Simpson
5: well I'd I'd stop uh, using the calendar rule to limit the put and take on the budget and allow the all membership really to have a say on that if you want to remove something from the budget It shouldn't mean that you have to replace it with something else. Now, I've tried to do that when the priorities are wrong, and that way it's helpful. Uh, I think we have some good rules, but I don't think we're using them. I mean, the conference committee may meet, but they don't meet with respect to the the outside-the-bounds issues that I know of. I've tried to come. They didn't have the meeting. They met one-on-one or one-on-two. And so you're waiting to the last minute, and you can't even, we could not get it. We didn't find it on an electronic version, the fiscal note, until after I brought my points of order. Uh, so if members can't get it, the public certainly not. And they called that the, the, it was accessible to the public if it was within inside the Capitol. That's, that's ridiculous. That's mm-hmm. not the public. I mean, there may be some public there, but we should make it available to everybody in a reasonable term. The, the, it is appropriate from time to time to go outside the bounds, but let's do it up front. Let's d- make our discussions in public. Uh, let's don't just do it and then suspend the rules and, and ask for forgiveness and then put it before the members right before they vote on the budget. Uh, okay. That needs to change. But we have good rules. We just need to live up to them. Okay. We have two mics here.
0: We have... About seven minutes, and these questions are all that's between us and lunch. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: on.
2: We're ready to turn it on. Okay. Um, good morning. Thank you all for being here. Um, she's, she's reading questions off of Twitter, apparently.
0: <laughs> no, it's my phone. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> Representative
2: Pitts, you stated that the Texas legislator, uh, legislature hearings and committee meetings have packed rooms. Uh, I'm going to be a little frank here, but the financial jumble thrown around in those rooms isn't the easiest. To understand, nor is it the most exciting, um, <laughs> Senator Nelson has made the same recommendation that Senator
4: Hager has um, to, of taking it to bed with you because it's a cure for insomnia. So what,
2: um, what can we do from a policy standpoint and otherwise to make sure that the people of Texas are able to access that transparent information if we're going to work to make it transparent um, in an understandable and engaging way?
1: Should we have entertainment come in and yeah, so keep everybody up? Yeah, we just have on? a
2: band
0: <laughs> do it. If it was completely transparent, would anybody go to
1: it? <laughs> I tell you, you, you talked about killing trees. If it was went down to the point you did, we'd be killing a lot more trees. And instead of a thousand pages, it would be probably ten thousand pages. Right. Uh, but uh, it's all online. Uh, I, I don't know how you can make a budget. You know, we're just boring people. Uh, <laughs> m- us budgeters. And uh, we—I don't know how you make it interesting, uh, especially in the public. You know, in the in in those committee meetings and all. You know, we added it up last time. We had 400 hours of uh, public meetings in appropriations for this last appropriation cycle.
3: Was that including before session?
1: That included during session only. Yeah, and then the two and, times. Before. And, and that's and that's the. You know, just the uh, five months that we're in session. Uh, so, and really, appropriations uh, committee won't be appointed until end of January. So it's in a really short period of time that all that is, being, is taking place. Uh, it's real exciting for me. I'm sorry it's not exciting for you. One <laughs> <laughs> right over here.
2: Uh, some agencies like the TCQ
4: um, are mostly fee-funded. Um, but even with the work that was done on the dedicated funds, um, still things like recycling money was still not for, um, fully appropriated, even though it was cut. So how, what are the next steps to really we, getting that money to the purposes that well, are supposed to be? Because what we're looking at is for the, the operators of the landfills, the private companies, to go out and take that money out altogether because you folks aren't appropriating it. We had,
1: we had uh, $5 billion was accumulated. In those dedicated funds, over a 20-year period, we can't do it overnight. We did it, we did nearly a billion dollars this time, this last budget cycle. It will be taking place probably even more rapidly this next session and the sessions to come to do away with dedicated accounts, and and would go for to this pay? not no I mean do away with those surplus monies that are. are only somebody, used The money would budget. go where it
0: was supposed to go. Yes.
1: And it's, you know, I, I disagree that, you know, uh, uh, Diane DeLisi created the trauma funds, and it's, it's, she tacked on a fee on, I think, DWIs or something. And, and uh, there is a huge balance in those trauma funds. And I, I remember Diane coming to me on the floor of the house when she was still a, mem- a member and saying, what are we doing with our trauma funds? We recognize that. We recognize the need for hospitals and hospitals. Uh, with the trauma funds, and we're, we're, we're using those balances. But as I said, we can't do all of a sudden do $5 billion overnight on that budget. And I, I think you'll probably see in the course of this next session that you'll take at least another billion dollars off of it.
0: How long do you think it takes to get to zero?
1: I think it'll take five sessions anyway. Huh. Over here. This question is primarily
3: for Representative Pitts, although, if any of the other legislators want to weigh in, (laughs) go for it. Um, In your view, how prevalent
1: is abuse of power in the Texas legislature? Uh, I think it's fair. It's not, in my opinion, and I know who you are, and uh, there is no abuse of power in the legislature.
0: Okay, on that note. Uh, it's time for lunch. Thank you. Give these guys a warm <laughs>
4: applause. Thank you.. Donna.